Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Oh, Tucker's back, y'all. Tucker is back <laughs> on Twitter TV, free from the corporate shackles of Fox News and their production values and decent lighting. Tucker, Tucker I think that's Tucker. It's got the picture quality is low. I think it's Tucker. Well, it, it sounds like him. Welcome back and welcome back to Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Channel 127. We are so glad you're with us here, bringing good trouble to the right wing bubble for the next three hours. We got a great one planned for you tonight, and I'm so glad you could be with us. Today is the 79th anniversary of D-Day. Operation Overlord, the day in World War II where the Allies, the Americans, the British, the Canadians invaded France. Uh, The great milestone on the road to finally defeating Nazi Germany. A day when 4,414 Allied soldiers sacrificed their lives and more than 9,000 were wounded or missing. Fewer than 4% of World War II veterans are still alive. If you're lucky enough to know one, thank them sometime for their service. Uh, As President Franklin Roosevelt said in his official address announcing the invasion, they fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. Hmm. That might be a pretty handy quote for other more current conflicts as well. Hey, for the next three hours, we're going to be at 866-997-4748. We'd love to hear from you guys here at the Love Fest. We have some of our favorite guests tonight. The great John Nichols of the Nation is here. Right now, John's got a great piece. He's got a few great ones. One about how Tina Turner did an amazing show helping George McGovern in 1972 at Madison Square Garden. But his, his newest piece that I'm really amazed by is sort of what we were talking about last week on the show with the debt ceiling deal, how it is wonderful, it is uh, great, it is also an incredible, shameful giveaway to the Pentagon, which is to say an incredible, shameful giveaway, not to our troops and their families, but to (laughs) private military contractors. Dr. Tracy Pearson is here in hour number three to talk all about Florida's stand-your-ground law and Trump and his legal problems and DeSantis. 
and everything else in the political world. We hope you enjoy what we do in the shadows. We are uh, produced by the great Chris Hauselt, running this thing right out of South Carolina, doing it with COVID. Chris has had 17 positive COVID tests. 17. And he's still showing up for the show every day. We are in awe of him. We, we don't know why. The doctors say this show probably made him sick in the first place. Great Thea Harper is here as well, producing this thing out of Brooklyn. We will stay up late so you daywalkers don't have to. Hello to everybody listening on the podcast, On Demand, SiriusXM app. In the words of Van Gogh, if you hear a voice within you say you cannot paint, then by all means paint and that voice will be silenced. And he would know. Listen, there's a lot to get to. And I want to begin by saying uh, sources have told ABC News that Mark Meadows apparently answered questions on both Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election and Donald Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents to Jack Smith's grand jury. Former chief of staff Meadows not only cooperated, he answered questions on both cases, stealing the docs and throwing out the election. There have been a lot of rumors Surrounding why Mark Meadows has fallen off the face of the earth has had a pretty low profile lately. People have been speculating over his involvement with the probes. He, he never really spoke publicly after Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony for the January 6th committee. And again, this is Mark Meadows, not, not the greatest guy. Lied about his college degree. He helped spread the racist birther lie. He really did. He helped guide Trump's heroic COVID-19 response. He sent five emails asking the DOJ to investigate debunked election lies. And, and he tried with Donald Trump on that recorded tape to get the Georgia Secretary of State to commit fraud. Is Mark Meadows. He's, he's never going to be a hero, but he would be one of the highest members of Donald Trump's inner circle to answer questions. He is the most damaging witness to Trump and for Jack Smith. He most likely flipped last summer, and essentially he's been hiding ever since. Again, Mark Meadows has already testified against Donald Trump to Jack Smith's grand jury, and so have 20 Secret Service agents. But that's just the top of the iceberg tonight. There's also a faction of House Republicans who completely torpedoed a Republican-authored bill protecting gas stoves Remember that? Before Biden can steal your hamburgers, he has to steal your gas stoves. The Republicans just killed that bill today. Their own bullshit bill, they just killed it as an act of bullshit for last week's debt limit. Just a little tantrum. I'm, I'm like, fine, you want to protest Kevin McCarthy by destroying your own shitty legislation? Have at it, Gates. Also, this catastrophic dam collapse in Kherson, Ukraine, is believed to be the result of Russian missile strikes. Dozens of towns along the river are in danger. The flooding is apparently horrendous. Chris Christie has filed paperwork to join the increasingly crowded 2024 Republican presidential clown show. It means more now that he's been on this show that he's doing it again. Um, and a federal judge in Florida blocked Ron DeSantis's legislation, barring gender affirming care in the Sunshine State. It means a lot about Chris Christie because I got a whole box of Chris Christie jokes in my attic. I think I'm ready to bring them down. Let's get to it. Here's a question for you. Let's begin with this. Did you ever live underneath somebody who smoked too much? You ever have an apartment and the person above you just it, it wafted down? Well, that's how the East Coast feels about our upstairs neighbor, Canada. I walked outside earlier this evening here in New York City, and I took a deep breath, and I thought, wow, that's not the carbon monoxide and stale urine stench I'm accustomed to. Uh, it's code orange air quality alert. From New York State down to North Carolina, the burning fires near Quebec, Canada, are currently putting more and more smoke in the air. If you're on the East Coast, you already know this. The upper-level winds have brought the smoke hundreds of miles south. It's crazy. 
I mean, if you're on the East Coast, please stay indoors. Visible satellite imagery shows dense wildfire smoke over New York City at 6.30 p.m. tonight. And the smoke is mixed down close to the surface. It's got terrible air quality in the city. Very low visibility. You can go on Twitter or anywhere. Just search NYC and smoke and see the images. It's blocking out the sun here. It smells like the whole city's being barbecued. It smells like burning wood and ash outside. The sky is hazy. Breathing is very hard. People who are hundreds of miles away are are having terrible air quality right now. Again, this is impacting about 100 million people. Another plume of smoke is about to enter New York State later this evening. They think tomorrow will be the worst air quality day of the week. The New York State Department of Environmental Conservation has an air quality warning in effect through tomorrow. Please stay inside if you can. Um, and Canada, I know you feel bad. Maybe, I don't know, could you, could you maybe add some maple syrup to the scent? That, that's something, that's nice. You would do that. Even a real, a real country, country anyway. anyway. Yes, the Academy Award nominated Blame Canada from South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. All right, let's get to it. You know what would make golf less boring? Hear me out. You hear me out. I, I know, golf, it's been boring for... Look at Tiger Woods, all that adultery, and golf's still boring. You know what would make it exciting? What if, just hear me out, what if the game of golf was drenched in the blood of the victims of Saudi Arabian human rights abuses? Hmm? How would that look? How would that feel? Do you remember last summer, the 9-11 families were protesting Donald Trump for bringing the Live tournament to his country club? Uh, at the time, they said, hey, this is a Saudi golf tournament. It's pretty ugly. Uh, they were 15 of the 19 hijackers. Donald Trump said last summer he'd never heard of the 9-11 families, and he claims that no one still officially knows who was involved with the hijacking of the planes. Trump got paid by Saudi Arabia. He played dumb. Just so you know, the 9-11 report from the commission revealed 16 pages that were declassified in 2021, showing the hijackers had ties to Saudi nationals. 15 of the 19 were from Saudi Arabia. But Donald Trump, while president, registered eight companies in Saudi Arabia and um, sold them $110 million worth of weapons. They bought him. Remember Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi brutally murdered and dismembered by Saudi authorities in Turkey, one of the worst human rights abuses against a journalist in modern times. The U.S. government was briefed accordingly. They knew that Khashoggi was murdered on the orders of Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and the U.S. government took no action against their strategic ally of Saudi Arabia. Well, we sold Saudi Arabia $110 billion worth of weapons. You know the old joke, I just flew in from Saudi Arabia, and boy, are my arm sales tired. Again, the weapons, $110 billions of weapons we sold that are designed to kill lots of humans. You think Donald Trump was going to blow that deal over the brutal killing of one human? The Saudi Public Investment Fund, run by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, backs Live. And Live has hosted several golf tournaments already at Trump properties. They, he, Donald Trump gave them his land to help build their case against the PGA. Um, the Saudi Public Investment Fund also, as you know, invested $2 billion into Jared Kushner's private equity firm. Now, the Live Tour didn't really establish any kind of real presence in the U.S. They did some games at, at Trump's shitty golf course, and the only network at the time on TV that was willing to partner with the Live Tour was the CW. Do you remember this? And the Saudis had to pay to have the network broadcast the tournaments. That's how little the world was interested in this. But again, the Saudis have money. 
and TV could be bought. So they paid to have it on TV, just like they paid to have Donald Trump look the other way. Again, the Saudis offered the major networks billions of dollars, but they were turned down because Saudi Arabia is an oppressive regime that generates billions by promoting a way of life that's going to kill all life on Earth, and they torture people and women are property there. You know the Saudi royal family. Now, again, the, the general consensus was last year the Saudi Arabian royal family formed the Live Golf Tour just in a way to what we call sports wash their reputation, right? If people love the golf tour, maybe they'll feel a bit better about the Saudis. And they wanted Tiger Woods last summer badly. Did you know they offered Tiger Woods between 700 and $800 million just to play? Not to win, just, just to play. They offered him almost a billion dollars just to play. Tiger Woods, who is the son of a former Green Beret, turned all that money down. They couldn't buy Tiger Woods. Imagine being so evil that Tiger Woods has to turn you down so he'll look better. And, you know, the Saudis sullied their reputation by partnering with Donald Trump after January 6th. And again, you know, even though a lot of professional golfers have played with Trump, the majority of the American public doesn't support Trump. The Saudis thought, hey, let's team up with Donald Trump and that'll make all the Trump supporters love us and they'll demand coverage and it'll help, right? It didn't work. Most Donald Trump supporters, ready for this, aren't golfers. You know, it's not just a rich guy's game, but golf requires greens fees. It requires expensive equipment. It requires having a lot of free time. And again, most Americans don't support Trump. So the Saudis kept saying, okay, well, buying Trump didn't do it. Uh, We couldn't buy Tiger Woods. And the PGA wasn't happy about this. The PGA sued Liv. In the lawsuit, the PGA Tour said Liv was offering American golfers astronomical sums of money in an attempt, quote, to use the Liv players and the game of golf to sports wash the recent history of Saudi atrocities. I mean, last year, Jay Monahan, who is the commissioner of the PGA Tour, he he actually brought up 9-11 to shame all the players who took all that money from Saudi Arabia to play in the live tour. And we heard about all the golfers who had integrity and wouldn't take that Saudi blood money and all the ones who cashed in. But but Jay Monahan actually brought up 9-11 to shame the players. Here's Jay Monahan on TV last year talking exactly about this. I want to ask about this. There was a story that was first reported uh, in the New York Post yesterday by Brian Wacker about a 9-11 coalition of families and survivors of the 2001 terrorist attacks. Um, 9-11 families united sent a letter to the representatives of phil dustin bryson reed and others quote expressing their outrage towards the golfers for participating in the new league and accusing them of sports washing and betraying the united states end quote that's gotten a lot of steam over the last 24 hours that story first reported again in the new york post how much did you talk to your players about the possible ramifications if they sign on with the new league well, I talked to players. I've talked at a player meeting, and I've and I've talked to a number of players uh, individually uh, for a long period of time. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9/11, uh, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones, and so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask, you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? Damn. 
There's some integrity, right? All that money, but saying it's not worth it? Well, by now you know, today, the PGA Tour announced it is merging with Live. The men's PGA agreed to merge with the Live Golf Tour in a huge announcement today, uh, much to the pain of the families of 9-11 victims that have been speaking out about this for months and thought the PGA commissioner shared their concerns. But no, now the PGA and the Saudis have merged. Now, if you actually look at the deal, they didn't merge at all. The Saudis bought American golf. Okay, that's what happened today. The Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund now owns Pro Golf. The PGA is taking blood money. As, as they've acknowledged, they are officially partnering with a murderous dictator. The Live Golf League is bankrolled by billions of sports washing money from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Saudi operatives played a role in the 9-11 terrorist attacks. They're now bankrolling all of professional golf. I just, I just, I... I and again, you know, most of us didn't know that we were at war in Yemen a couple of years ago because we aren't. Our troops are there as proxies for Saudi Arabia. I mean, but let's get to that in a second. The PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan, who you just heard, he co-opted the 9-11 community last year in the PGA's unequivocal agreement that the Saudi Live Project was nothing more than a sports washing of Saudi Arabia's reputation, said 9-11 Families United Chair Terry Strada. But now the PGA and Monaghan appear to have become just more paid Saudi shills, taking billions of dollars to cleanse the Saudi reputations so that Americans and the world will forget how the kingdom spent their billions of dollars before 9-11 to fund terrorism, spread their vitriolic hatred of Americans, and finance al-Qaeda and the murder of our loved ones. Make no mistake, we will never forget. I mean, this guy Monaghan was very clear last summer. He was standing in solidarity with the 9-11 families. He said on TV how live golfers, they never had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour. They do now, and so does he. The PGA should be ashamed of their greed. They should be ashamed of their hypocrisy. Again, you know, none of this was about golf. This is all about money. Put yourself in the shoes of a PGA golfer who turned down live money. In fact, better than that, listen to this clip. This is, uh, this is golf journalist Mika Kimes on TV earlier today. Justify this. I think I'm struck by two things. He managed to both sell out morally and also sell out his own constituency at the same time, which is truly remarkable for a commissioner. I mean, put yourself in the shoes, as Tim said, of a PGA golfer who turned down live money. Over the last year plus, you have believed you were taking a principled stand. You have watched your peers accept, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars to link arms with a regime with a terrible human rights record. You may have spoken out against that record, and you have been told yours is a player-run organization. Today, you wake up and you realize that was all a lie. And if I were them... I would be seriously questioning leadership, not just for this decision, but the way in which it was rolled out. Boom. <laughs> I mean, will that happen? Will there be any kind of reckoning? Is anyone going to care? <laughs> it was all a lie. I mean, it's, it's insane. The live tour was dead, right? It wasn't working. And now they're being thrown a life jacket. J just take them. I mean, they beat them. No one cared about the live tour. The PGA won. But the live tour had never ending pockets. Mohammed bin Salman is a brutal dictator, and he now owns America's golfing. Everything's for sale, okay? And again, the PGA vilified the golfers who took millions of dollars to play for this immoral, undemocratic, murderous regime. And now 
after pillaring their own players, they're going to partner with that same immoral, undemocratic, murderous regime. It's so vile. It's, it, it's terrorist washing. It's not sports washing. It's terrorist washing. Our good friend Dave Zirin is in fire about this. He tweeted how one PGA Tour Pro complained, it's insanity. The Live Tour was dead in the water. It wasn't working. Another colleague was more concise. No way. Well, yes, apparently, yes fucking way. The PGA Tour has merged with Live Golf. It's unclear how things will shake out, but the former PGA players who took huge sums of money to join the much weaker Live look like pretty big winners today. Senator Chris Murphy in Connecticut said, so weird, PGA officials were in my office months ago talking about how the Saudis' human rights record should disqualify them from having a stake in a major American sport. I guess maybe their concerns weren't really about human rights. Brian Karam said, unifying the golf tour with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, responsible for the death of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. What a proud moment, PGA Tour. And, and, and finally, again, hats off to Dave Zirin. He pointed out that Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson today tweeted, awesome day, with a link about this merge. But last year... Phil Mickelson said, and I'm quoting directly, Saudis are scary motherfuckers to get involved with. We know they killed Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. That was Phil Mickelson. Within a day, he apologized to the Saudi royal family for these comments. And today, he called the merge awesome. I know. Guys, as a word for organizations that know Saudi Arabia is evil, but take their blood money anyway, and that word is the American government. I mean, Saudi Arabia has been a U.S. ally since 1951. Uh, but let's be honest, women are property. Criminals are tortured. It's not a democracy. It's not even really a country. It's a family-owned corporation with a flag. And the U.S. has a long, ugly history of supporting or installing dictators. I mean, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, we propped up dictators in the Philippines, Korea, Taiwan, Iran. We suppressed popular socialist or anti-imperialist movements around the world. We funded the Taliban. We funded Al-Qaeda. We propped up dictators all over Central and South America. Batista, Formosa, Pinochet, the Shah, Saddam Hussein. Obama did it. Reagan did it. Nixon did it. U.S. presidents have shipped weapons and propped up dictators and oppressive regimes. It's, it's essential to U.S. foreign policy. So let's be mad at pro golf, but let's not forget our government has led the way on this and has been very cozy with these people, you know, and, and that's that's and the media, too. Just remember, Saudi Arabia can behead 47 people in one day, but it's okay because they're our ally against ISIS and ISIS beheads people. And also, let's thank the media for pointing out ISIS beheads people. (laughs) Saudi Arabia just executes them. They found a way to make golf a lot more ugly and a lot more elitist. People were saying, how can golf be even more elitist? Saudi Arabians said, hold my fossil fuels. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. And welcome back. I'm John Fugelsang. This is the 79th anniversary of D-Day. And I am so pleased to welcome our next guest, one of my favorite journalists. And I'll tell you the truth. You know, I, I used to be a guy who just told jokes and did goofy TV shows. And then I started doing all the political stuff. And it's been really, really fun. And one of the finest humans I have met in the political realm is John Nichols, national affairs correspondent for The Nation, contributing writer for The Progressive and In These Times, and the associate editor of Madison, Wisconsin's Capital Times, a very fine newspaper. I've been in their offices. He's written so many great books, including The Fight for the Soul of the Democratic Party, The Genius of Impeachment, and Coronavirus, Criminals, and Pandemic Profiteers, which should be required reading for everyone. I'm so happy to welcome John Nichols back to SiriusXM Insight. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. It's great to be with you. And I'm, I'm glad you recognized the 79th anniversary of D-Day. It's also, I believe, I hope I've got my numbers right, the 50th third anniversary of Robert F. Kennedy's death. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. So there's uh, a very profound day when you think about all the historical uh, intersections. A lot of things. It's also the 33rd anniversary of a uh, two live crews uh, as nasty as they want to be becoming the first album declared legally obscene in the state of Florida. So right. a lot, everything yeah. old is new again. Oh, and, and it's just, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I was talking to somebody today about this and, and I was noting that the period of time from D-Day to the day that Robert F. Kennedy died was, uh, if I've got my my math right, uh, 24 years, right? Yes, exactly. And now, now we're 55 years on from then. So think about how narrow a space it was between World War II and the 60s. Mm-hmm, exactly. It was actually a very, 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 very tight amount of time. Whereas um, now, you know, it's a that's all relatively distant history. Yeah, you're right. It was only 20 years from the end of World War Two. It was less than 20 years from the end of World War Two to LBJ signing the Civil Rights Act of 64. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think about think this all the time. I do, too. And I uh, and I, I remember years ago, this is apropos of very little. We'll talk about many other things. But I remember years ago, there was a guy named Edward Lamb. He was a very remarkable guy. He was a millionaire who lived in Toledo, Ohio, a very progressive, very left-wing millionaire, actually, very big supporter of Jesse Jackson and, and folks like that. First time I met him, he shook my hand, and he said, you are now one handshake away from Abraham Lincoln, because when he was a little boy, he had shaken hands with somebody who had shaken hands with Lincoln. I love that. I, I do that all the time. 
<laughs> I do yeah. that all the time. That's what the, what the, when I first met Dick Cabot. That's all I thought about for a month was all the hands I was one generation away from. Um, that's I, pretty. I, I, yeah, Cabot's a good one. I got to drag you into uh, our current hellscape, John, because I've, I've wanted you here since you put out a piece last week um, on the nation. When the debt ceiling theater was finally done, and when that pageant the media and the politicians made us go through that we didn't need to go through because Biden always had the 14th Amendment, when it was all wrapped, I couldn't believe that there had been some cuts made for some of the neediest people, but nothing but extra money for the Pentagon. And when we say extra Pentagon spending, we're not talking about improving the quality of life about our service members and their spouses and families. We're talking about half of it going to private contractors. Imagine my surprise when you are the one journalist who lands on this point. You had a great piece in The Nation last week. There's never a debt ceiling for the military industrial complex. While the Biden-McCarthy deals denies food to hungry people, it increases Pentagon spending by tens of billions. I mean, I guess yep. we shouldn't be surprised. This is what the bipartisan duopoly is there for. Republicans are there to pump money into the defense contractors to repay their donors, and Democrats are there terrified of being called anti-military. Oh, and I think some of the Democrats are getting money from the, the uh, contractors as well. And Absolutely. so, look, here's the bottom line. There's a lot about the debt ceiling agreement that's troublesome, right? I mean, it's the, the work requirements for people who need food um, and, and other services. You know, it, it does, the research tells us it doesn't do any good. It doesn't actually get people work. It, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a cruel, stupid way to do things, right? But that's yeah. in there and that's bad. The student loan stuff is bad. The environmental stuff is actually horrific. It's really, really some bad compromises on environmental stuff. Very surprising. And yet, when I look at it all, I realize Joe Biden was in a tough corner, right? He had to negotiate, negotiated well on some things, badly on some others. But I I step back from it, and I think the biggest problem with all of this, when we look at the whole thing, is that you went to the table initially with certain things off the table, right? Yeah. And so increasing taxes for the rich was off the table. Off the table. Right? You're short on money. There's billionaires with lots of money. There's a place you could have gone. No, we're not going to do that. And then the military industrial complex is not only off the table. You literally say, okay, it's off the table, but we're going to take some of what's on the table and move it over to the military industrial complex. That's it. And that, to me, it just seems. When you start a negotiation in that place, and this isn't picking on Biden, this is picking on the whole system. Yeah. But when you start a negotiation in that place, um, there's nowhere to go except to punish the most vulnerable people in America. And that's that's, that's what happened. That's it. I yeah. mean, uh, John, how much does the Pentagon need all this extra spending? I mean, they must be really low on cash, right? Things are tough over there. Now, there, this is the funny thing. Uh, what I, very poor use of the word funny, perhaps, uh, but the bizarre thing. Um, the Pentagon is funded now to the tune of almost $900 billion a year, right? I mean, it's just got massive amounts of money. And the Pentagon's inspector general says that in the next couple years, they, they can't pinpoint it exactly because they have so much waste, fraud, and abuse, they actually don't know you know, how much money's flowing in any, at any one moment. But the inspector general there predicts that by 2026, 2027, in that range, 
they will pass the trillion dollar mark. Imagine that. Unreal. So we have we have a military that or Pentagon that's that's taken a trillion dollars. Now, if if we were in a war, terrible situation, uh, if we had you know a, a plan to make sure that the that the troops are well taken care of or better taken care of, yeah, maybe you can justify some of that. But this that's a case. I mean, in fact, that's it. Um, we know. And we're certainly involved in military things around the world. I'm not not diminishing that. I, I recognize that. But we know that reasonable analysts of this say as much as a hundred billion dollars is, you know, kind of in that in that waste, fraud, and abuse zone. Uh, we it. don't even know the exact amount. But if we if we imagine that it's it's anywhere near that, you know, then the idea of increasing the Pentagon budget before you've had legitimate hits, before you've had you know, a serious analysis of this. It, it just seems to be madness. Yeah. I want to point or out. Or as Graham Nash said, as Graham Nash said, military madness. Well, I, I do want to point out the money that has been allocated for the defense budget is exactly what Joe Biden requested in the 2024 yeah. budget. And again, half of that money goes to defense contractors, but it's it's $886 billion for defense. Now, just to scale that, in 2015, we spent $585 billion on the military. Yeah. In eight years, we have added more than 300 billion in military spending. In eight years, Joe Biden himself has added nearly 150 billion to the military budget since 2021, which was the last one that Trump approved. John, I, I guess maybe I'm naive, but I kind of thought that pulling out of Iraq for all the bloody hysteria we endured would lead to what they call a peace dividend, right? Like we don't have to spend that money anymore. This is good for the economy. That's what I remember being told. Brother, we've been searching for that peace dividend for quite a while. I remember hearing about the peace dividend, you know, decades ago, right? We were going to get it. There are all sorts of times, that, we, like the end of the Cold War was going to give us a peace dividend, right? Mm -hmm. When the Berlin Wall came down. So there's so many uh, times when the peace dividend was supposed to arrive. And I went out to my mailbox looking for it, but <laughs> it just wasn't there. It, yeah. it, it has not arrived. And the the tragedy of it is, is that, that, um, as we have been pouring unimaginable amounts of money into the military industrial complex, and I always refer to it as that. I don't refer to it. I try not to simply refer to it as the Pentagon because yes. that's that's Pentagon's a building in Washington, right? Where there are some, I think, probably very responsible people working in that. But the military industrial complex, which Eisenhower warned us about, this is this vast array of corporations and and frankly grifters mm -hmm. um, out there that are are you know charging unimaginable amounts of money for toilet seats and and you know for toilet paper for i mean everything that the military contractors you know kind of bring into the system uh seems and i'll 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 you know qualify it to that extent seems to be you know with a jacked up price right yeah. and so, so yeah. you know this is just this is a point at which if we're honest with ourselves we should have done what that radical uh, Rand Paul proposed. And that was, and Paul, Rand Paul said early this year, put, you know, I mean, conservatives, if they're serious about reducing the, the deficit, reducing, you know, budget uh, excesses, they need to put uh, military industrial complex, Pentagon, on yes. the table, right? Yes. And if Rand Paul can support that, if Rand Paul can say that, it, it just stuns me that Democrats can't.
John, how do you explain to folks why some of the progressive Democrats defied the president and voted against the debt ceiling deal? You had a great piece earlier in the week about why principled progressives opposed the debt ceiling deal. Um, A lot of people obviously have been sold that this is a big win for Joe Biden. And tragically, that's all it takes for some people. And there's no doubt, yes, in the game of political strategy, this was in some ways a win for Joe Biden. But it's not a win for the people who need help. No, it's a look. Here's the, the bottom line. I think you can think of two things at the same time, right? You can think that you are glad that Joe Biden figured out a way to avoid the Republican scheme to crash the global economy, right? They would say, okay, that's that's a good thing, you know, and, and you're glad that Joe Biden, a man of Washington, 36 years in the Senate, eight years as vice president, the better part of four years as president of the United States, I mean, a guy who really knows his way around this, went into negotiations with Kevin McCarthy and... Mm-hmm did avert many of the worst things that Kevin McCarthy wanted. So give Indeed. Biden his credit for that, right? Yeah. And I know a lot of people that, that that want to do that, and I think that's fine. But I was very surprised when I wrote the piece how many people were angry, right, that it would be pointed out that, you know, this wasn't that great a deal, right? And, and I think that's where we have to be able to t- think two things at the same time. We have to be able to right. think, yeah, it's good that Biden out-negotiated McCarthy in a lot of ways. But it, this is not a good deal. This is not something that we should be happy about, because at the end of the day, we have uh, we've established a precedent here. And that may be the most troubling thing of all. The precedent is that when we get into a tight economic corner and when Republicans have control of at least one chamber of the Congress, and especially the House of Representatives, there's going to be a negotiation between a Democratic president of and the Republicans. What the what the pattern that has been set here is that in that negotiation, taxing the rich and you know holding the line on the Pentagon, those can't be brought up. But exactly. we can bring up, you know, telling people they can't get food, making yeah. it harder to pay your student loans, things like that. Why I worry about this, John, is that um, right now you, the Republicans control the House of Representatives. What if after the next election, you just don't know how things turn out, Joe Biden gets reelected. He is still the president of the United States. He beats Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. but he is in negotiation with Republicans who are in charge of the House and the Senate. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a repeat of this year after year, actually month after month for four years. That's a terrible place to be as a country. And I think one of the things that it tells you is that when you vote in 2024, I mean, if you want this kind of deal or worse, vote Republican, right? But if you don't, you know, you have to recognize that, you know, giving Republicans control of a chamber, one of the chambers in Congress is going to get you this result, even if you vote for Biden. Exactly. John, you know, 20 years ago, I was one of those who kept praying that Cornell West would run for president. And uh, yesterday he announced he's doing it uh, under the People's Party. Were you surprised? Very surprised. Um, in fact, it was an interesting thing. I was, I was, of course, writing my, you know, regular takedown of Ron DeSantis, which is, you know, it's like pretty much once a week you can write that. Yes. Um, and I, I was writing, making my case that Ron DeSantis has been in the last few weeks sounding more fascist than the guy he's running against. And, and I think that's an important message to make. So I'm working away on my DeSantis thing. And of course, being, you know, now an, incapable of focusing on it. Because of social media, I, of course, looked at, you know, Twitter or something at at like 930 
yesterday morning. And and there's Cornell West in a video announcing right. that he's running for president of the United States. A very kind of well-produced video. It um, was. And very thoughtful statements made in it. And I have known, I know Cornell West, not, you know, not best buddies or anything like that, but I've covered him in many senses. I have written, I've interviewed him, had had great regard for him and, and do. Um, yeah. And, but I just did not see this coming. Yeah. So I was surprised. I, yes. I, I didn't either. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to understand where it came from and why he decided now at this point was, was the time. Maybe, I don't know, Robert Kennedy's getting way too many headlines. I don't know. Um, well, I think there's, I think there is more to it than that. I mean, sure, I think that, that Cornel West said it very clearly in his announcement um, that, you know, he means that that sort of optimistic view of, of what America might be. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, a progressive nation with economic and social and racial justice, saving the planet and, and frankly, dialing down the wars and, and, you know, military adventures abroad. And he spoke of that. And and um, and I think there's a lot of people who share that view. What's. What's interesting in the in the context, of course, is that it seems a little out of sync with where um, the American dynamic is right now, because yeah. uh, I think with the, the notion. Let me put it this way. I, I wrote about this today and the things that I, I suggested is that until yesterday, it looked very, very much like we were going to see an absolute repeat of 2020. Right. Yeah. Biden versus Trump. And that's that's a, a very discouraging race right it's it you know it i think yes person, no. i know where i would go right yeah. you know it's kind of frustrating to have a country that repeats elections right you know and, and stuff like that and so suddenly you know i think cornell west looked at that and said well i'm going to come in and, and shake that up he even spoke very bluntly about you know uh de democracy being disruptive and and you know this creative thing however um, I do think that there I saw it immediately. There's a lot of blowback on this. There's a lot of people who are very, very uncomfortable with this because of, you know, the relatively narrow divide in America exactly. and the notion that that in a handful of battleground states, uh, a third party candidate could That's could tip it. an election. I love Lincoln, my favorite third party candidate. And I, I love third party yes. candidates who push Democrats more to the center and more to positions of morality and decency. But it was 70 odd thousand guys in three states who didn't have uteruses and were too pure to vote for Hillary Clinton. And that's the reason we yeah. don't have Roe v. Wade anymore on a national level. I'm a huge backer of multi-candidate democracy. I want sure. I want to have more parties and yeah. I am never going to tell somebody with, with runoff elections, with runoff elections. I'd Absolutely. Love yeah. Well, but or a parliamentary system, right, where you sure. form coalitions. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm never going to tell somebody they can't run. I don't think that's the way that it, it works. Right. The voters get to decide. But what I will say is that people do need to understand that our political system is rigged. It yes. is rigged for the two parties. And so when you come into that, that calculus, right, you either have to beat one of the two parties. Right. You have to be Lincoln. You have to That's display right. Lincoln and the Republicans. You have to displace one of them or you end up in that very complex, very dangerous situation sometimes where you can tip the election to someone who is marginally worse mm -hmm. than of course. the other. You know what I mean? That there's, there's that reality, maybe significantly worse. And history is really interesting on this, John. But some of our greatest candidates for president have been third-party candidates. That's Lincoln. Uh, Robert exactly. M. LaFollette in mm -hmm. 1924 set the tone for the New Deal eight years later. 
And LaFollette's candidacy didn't tip anything, right? I mean, it, right. He, the Republicans were going to win. There it was. 1948, you had Henry Wallace and Strom Thurmond running. Exactly. Everyone thought Harry Truman was going to lose. Harry Truman won. Yeah. So I don't want to talk down third parties all the way. I don't want to, you know, be the anti-third party person. But I will tell you that there are also those circumstances where it goes awry. John, we have to hit a hard break. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with all your many doings? You know, I always tell people to go to the Nation website. I write a lot at www.thenation.com, um, which is really, you know, the platform I use. There's also, you can go to thecaptimes.com. Uh, and uh, also, I'm on Twitter at Nichols Uprising. It's so good to see you, sir. Safe travels. Please come back and see us again very soon. It's going to be a very interesting summer. John Nichols, everybody. Follow him at Nichols Uprising on the Twitter, and we'll be right back with your calls. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. I want to play a couple of quick clips, and we're going to get to your calls for the whole hour. This is Congressman Pete Aguilar and other prominent House Democrats. They had a press conference today cheering on the Biden-Harris economy because someone's got to talk about all the good that's happened. And they talked about the House Democrats' role in fostering its strength. Is talking about your own record enough? Here's the congressman. But it's very clear that after House Republicans did their level best in trying to tank this economy, that the Biden-Harris economy just continues to do well. Over 339,000 new jobs uh, created in May, 13 million jobs uh, in the Biden-Harris administration since they have taken office and unemployment, the lowest rate in five decades, all because of job-creating bills that were signed into law and where House Democrats played instrumental roles. And I'll keep saying it. The media is not telling you because the people who own the media don't want you to know. The best thing I can say about Joe Biden is how much billionaires seem to hate him. We are at 866-997-4748. Let's get to some of your calls. Michael in the Bronx. Welcome. How are you, sir? Hi. Hey, John. Well, first, surviving this smoke. I mean, oh, my gosh, it is so bad out there. 
It's terrible out there, man. It is. It is. It, it is it's so smoky in New York. It's like being in a New York City bar in the '80s. That's what the outdoors is like right now. I'll tell you right now. I didn't expect a smoky birthday. Happy birthday to you! Today's the day, huh? Yes. Thank you. Fifty-six now. Very Thank nice. I'm sorry you have to deal with this terrible. I'm sorry you have to deal with this terrible weather. Yeah. And now we'll make another joke. We're smoking. Not this time, please. I can no, sir. Spare me from that, please. Mm-hmm. In fact, I said to my wife that I can see some smart-ass DJ on the radio playing, um, going back to the 50s and 60s, and they say, here's a classic from the platters. And what do they play? Smoke it in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, very funny. But one of the things I called you about, now I know you and I had great conversations calling these Republicans out when they want to go into Christian morals and family values. And, you know, like I said, we pretty much called them out. What I Mm -hmm. found shocking was all the book bans going on. I know you heard about this and probably spoke about this. Now, I think it was Utah wanting to ban the Bible. Oh, yeah. Well, but but you know why? It's it's in response to all of these crazy book bans. It it goes deeper than that, John. And I think you're going to... um, appreciate what I had lay, lay out because first they're going to say there's so much vulgarity and violence in, yeah. in the Bible. First first off, I would tell Republicans, don't hand me that crap because you sure as hell didn't have any problems. In fact, you were cheering for I Donald know. Trump when he said, grab them by the meow. I know. Didn't have any I know. problem with that. I know. And Lord knows you don't have any problem whatsoever with all the gun massacres. You have no idea how tired I am of the Democratic Party never, ever being brave enough to call the Republican Party out for their revoltingly fake Christianity. It would be so easy to do. AOC kind of did it this week, but I think it has to be done on a much bigger and more devastating scale. Actually, I think that there are people in the Democratic Party that are doing that. And you and I are two of them. I'm I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I'm just cheering on the sidelines. All right. I take it back. I'm a Democrat. But then I'm a Democrat, I'm a Catholic, I'm Christian, I'm forever defending my religion, and I'll keep on speaking the truth. There's not right a damn thing these right-wingers can do about it. But Preach. the way I see it, why they really want to ban the Bible is because, like I said, you and I and plenty of others have called these fake Christians out. So the fact that we say, show us in the Gospels, show us where the teachings of Jesus says anything about abortions, says anything about attacking gays. I mean, we went down the list, you know, together, separately, we went down that list. So now, here it is, I think Republicans want to abolish the Bible, and they got this crazy-ass idea that we're telling you the way Christianity is, and we know it's the damn, you know, it is false. It's like, they want us to take their word as Golden and all that stuff. I know, but you have. No. Listen, let me tell you something. As someone, as someone who's worked with Hollywood agents for a long time, you have no idea how talking about religion in the Bible is a third rail in this culture. You have no but, idea. Yeah, but and and look how dangerous it has become. Remember, I complained that they're elevating Trump into a false god and now mm-hmm. false messiah. Now you got this Russian freak that comes out with a book. And you see the book cover, and I think I sent you um, a picture of it. it says, I Donald don't, who's, J. Who's the Russian freak? Who's the Russian freak we're talking about? 
Who's I got a book? I wish I could remember his name. Okay. But there, was, but there was a picture of a book going out that said the book cover, Donald J. Trump, the son of man, the Christ. Absolute Ugh. blasphemy. Yeah, it is. The real, we know, you and I both know the real Messiah is Jesus the Christ. And well, that's, listen, like that's what the book says. All I do is go by the book. The atheist will come out and say the book's all fiction. I don't think you get anywhere with that. I don't think you get anywhere just saying, okay, you're, you're in a cult and you believe fairy tales. They're going to shut you down. I say, let's go by exactly what the Bible says. Let's assume yeah. the Bible is 100% true. Here's why you are still wrong. Right, exactly. But they want, now they want to ban the Bible. All this time they want to have prayer. All this time they say, look at the good book, look at the Bible this, look yeah. at the Bible that. They twist and turn all these scriptures around to their liking. I think you once called them cafeteria Christians or something like that. I have like a lot that. of nicknames for them, yeah. Yeah, and then now we call them out. We even cited scripture and the Gospels, and proving them wrong. So now mm. they don't want to learn their lesson. Now they want to ban the book and then want to spread about heresy. That's and right. I, for one, am against it, and I will keep fighting against them. Preach, Michael, preach. Me down. Right on. Hey, happy birthday, man. I'm really, thank you so much for calling us. I'm really, I really hope you have a good evening. I'm sorry that it's not safe to go outside and breathe in our city. It's pretty bad. Hey, I'm celebrating this weekend, and I sure wish you were able to join me, man. Oh, I hope you have a good time. I, I don't get to have a good time anymore. I have a small child. But thank you so much, Michael. Have a great, great evening. New York City just topped the list of the world's worst air-polluted cities because of uh, over 100 raging Canada wildfires. Um, I, I, I would have guessed it was Tucker Carlson's video that caused this tonight. 866-997-4748. Mark is calling from Wisconsin. Mark, thanks so much for being patient on hold. Hello. Not, not a problem, brother. Thanks, and thanks so much for having John Nichols on. I can remember lots of conversations with John when I worked oh, in downtown Madison. He's just the best. From all the time. Um, yeah, and, and I, anytime. If you're in downtown Madison, you will bump into Nichols on the street. He is a true reporter. And I wanted to thank, uh, again, my friend Betsy's father, Dave, who actually was a glider pilot on D-Day. Flew a wow. glider in on D-Day, and then uh, after landing his glider, I proceeded to you know, fly cargo planes, you know, ferrying wounded wounded servicemen back you know across the you know back to a safe harbor and then bringing equipment back and he ended up uh liberating one of the camps Buchenwald with you know in, in the wow. course you know subsequent to that so he amazing recognized the fascism and nazism because he sees in today's republican party i mean he sees some of these guys and i guess he just blurts out you know calls them calls them for what they are i mean that wow. uh it is just uh you know that uh, unfortunately for the past few years with COVID and all that, and um, that I haven't been able to you know to visit with him. But um, he's going to be 100 years old, 100 he's years old in us. August. Whoa! Which makes, amazing, amazing. Which, which makes him 21 years old, roughly, when he was on D-Day. Incredible. I mean, the, that he was just a young man on D-Day, and uh, what he must have seen, you know, that uh, you know, in in the liberation of Europe from from the Nazis is just. Uh, Incredible. My friend Betsy says he's got lots of stories to tell about that. That uh, yeah, there's no way we can overstate it. I mean, there's no way we can overhype it. And now, only about three to four percent of World War II veterans are still alive. And then, you know, those stories will soon be gone. And and it's just again, sad it's, because that yeah, you know, that I, I've related before that you know I heard probably secondhand stories from my teachers about you know stories that they'd heard from uh, you know guys who had served in World War II about the camps yeah. and and all that that. Uh, 
You know, so I imagine that would freak Republicans out today if somebody started talking about the death camps in Nazi Germany and related, you know, true stories of that for our, for our students. I mean, for, for, for God's sake, they're freaking out about Rainbow's Rainbow Land, the song. And I mean, but I couldn't help but think when you were talking about the Muppet Christmas Carol, <laughs> that you said that, that I couldn't help but think of the original Muppet movie, which yeah. covers the song "The Rainbow Connection." That's yeah. a beautiful little song. I mean, but imagine if you tried teaching that to the kids these days, there'd be right wingers freaking out about that one. It's a, it's a sweet little song. <laughs> I know. Well, again, these right wingers. You know, wait till you tell them the rainbow comes from the Bible, and when God says that it's a a, a, a pact that He has with all. It's a pact that God has in the Bible with all his living creatures. So I guess these people just kind of feel like, well, everyone except the gays. You know, it's like they haven't read the Bible, but they've grown up in a very convenient, spiritually lazy world where you're just allowed to grow I was this way. My parents weren't homophobes, but my peer group raised me to be a homophobe. And I was very convinced when I was a young teenager that, yeah, the Bible isn't just homophobic. It commands you for moral reasons to hate the gays. And it wasn't until my early 20s that I actually began reading the darn thing and seeing that none of that can be argued credibly at all. You cannot use any part of the Bible to justify any anti-gay discrimination whatsoever. And I'll, I'll have this debate with anybody. I know the seven verses they all go to. None of them hold up. Yeah, and I, and I can remember my uh, kind of uh, rejection of uh, Catholicism, even though I'm kind of a you know Catholic Unitarian. At, at, at I my get soul. it. There's like, a lot of guys like you. A lot of guys like you. But I actually read this fiction book uh, called Divine Mistress, which is about the Spanish Inquisition. And mm-hmm. it, it had kind of a suggestive cover on it, but it had nothing to do with the suggestiveness on the cover. I mean, the Divine Mistress was, was actually knowledge. And that, okay. Uh, and, but, I mean, the, the book was kind of re- revolved around the Spanish Inquisition. I go, well, I don't know if I want to have much to do with this, because, you know, fundamentalist religion, which are the Catholics were at that point in time, and still are in and some many cases. Many still are, was, many you know, still are. Persecution of, of the Jews. I mean, and persecution of anything that disagreed with Catholic doctrine. That's right. Which included medicine. I mean, that uh, yeah. if you disagreed with Galen, you could be burned at the stake. But that's why I always talk about the fundamentalists, because it's not religion. And I, I've had this debate. I had this debate with Bill Maher in his own house. I was like, we, you know, you always talk about, oh, the religious people behind all the oppression of women and the violence and the, and the homophobia. And it's like, no, it is the fundamentalist religious people of all religions that are responsible right. for all the violence all the sex hang-ups, all the second-class citizenry of women, all of the, all of the uh, religious intolerance. It's not. The overwhelming majority of progressive and moderate, and even, even some conservative Christians, Muslims, and Jews, are getting along right now. It is the far-right, extreme conservative fundamentalists of every religion who are dicks, who are ruining what uh, faith means, and who are making the world very unpleasant for the rest of us. And it's like that, that group that's... Uh kind of satirizing the nuns but apparently the yeah. nuns really deeply enjoyed you know that 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 um and again, again, like the people nuns, angry about the dra- drag queens dressed as nuns. So wait, what are you more offended by? Are you more offended by some drag queens dressing up as nuns to raise money for poor LGBTQ people in L.A.? Or are you more offended by the literal thousands of years of persecution, the unchristian, unbiblical persecution of gays pushed by the Roman Catholic Church? Oh, you're not mad about the thousands of years of cruelty. You're mad about the drag queens dressed as nuns. All right. Well, then we know where your morality lies. 
it's ridiculous that people get upset about something like that. It's like yeah. the closest they thing don't, I can They don't think. believe any of it. They don't believe any of it. They create God in their own image. They're spiritually lazy, and they believe in a God and a Jesus who hates the same fucking people and the same rights and the same things they hate. So it doesn't matter if Jesus never, ever came out against abortion, never came out against gay people, and, and commanded you to welcome the stranger. They'll go to the opposite of all of that, and they'll believe it with fierce conviction because it's the only reality they know, and it's never been challenged. Religion doesn't challenge it. The media doesn't challenge it. Democrats don't challenge it. I'm going to take the damn Bible to all their freaking churches and have a conversation about what's actually in there. And you have to challenge them. I mean, that I've challenged family members on that, and they're surprised that uh, a, you know somebody like me, who they consider to be, you know, the, the worse than an atheist, that can actually confront them on some of. Uh, why are you worse than an atheist? The Bible. What, what's what's worse to them, a Muslim or an atheist? And why are you worse than an atheist? Oh, guy, I don't know. It, it's just, you know, my you father would argue, my father would argue with them about. Uh, that the Muslims worship the same God that we all do. Yeah. Oh, my father did that, too. My father did that, too. My dad was the guy who, after the Catholic... And my dad was, was from Brooklyn, a big MLK, Malcolm X guy, moved down south when he retired. And after all the church at Mass in the, in the south, my dad would always be the guy with the priest say, you ever going to talk about love? It's all sin. It's all hell. It's all brimstone. You ever going to talk about love? Like, my dad would go into my southern family's homes and actually argue the gospel, and that's what I grew up seeing. That's why I'm as annoying as I'm, I am, because I've actually read the damn book, and again, I don't care what people believe, but when you pretend the Bible says this to justify being mean to other people, you are fucking with the faith of my parents, and I'm going to shut it down. Yeah, and my, my father always said, just well, when you pray, you're supposed to be, do it quietly and... and Reverently and not let everybody around you know that you're praying. Matthew and, six uh, five. You only pray in private. Matthew six five. Yep, and that's it. and you know that uh, he'd always maintain that with uh, my more fundamentalist siblings, and that uh, and they would get all upset about that. And I go, well, but he's actually, actually you know, absolutely right. That's what it says in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, it, it yeah. just uh, again, maybe they'll read it someday. Hey, Mark, I really appreciate your call. You, Thank you, you so very much. Have a great evening. 866-997-4748. Let me go to Catherine in Florida. Hi, Catherine. Hi, John. Thank you so much for all your great work. Um, I live in Florida, and um, I'm just curious. um, If Governor DeSantis is so, so fixed on um, drag queens, you know, indoctrinating the children... Um, and affecting the children, sexualizing the children. Maybe mm-hmm. he should put, and she's, I'm saying this very sarcastically, um, maybe he should put a ban on thong bikinis on the Florida beaches, which <laughs> might get a lot of male tourists upset who go yeah. there just for the eye candy. I'm go. just saying. I think you're I think it's a brilliant point. You know, he's not banning strip clubs. He's he's not banning uh, all kinds of stuff in the state of Florida. He's doing what Republican Christians do, punching down. You find a yes, minority John, group with no power and somebody, you beat them up. Won't somebody think of the children on the beaches? Someone think of the and children. That's all, I mean, yeah, thousands that's of all, people that's in all your I'm state. Say. I, I, but that's I'm all I'm going to say. I'll let you. I'll let you continue. I'm going to take this off the air so you can continue. Well, thank all right. So but listen, I thank you, Catherine. Work. You're a classy Love act. You. I appreciate it. But that's Bye-bye. Ron DeSantis. That's the racket. They don't actually care about children. Okay, and I can prove it. If any of these kids actually cared about the unborn, they would take climate science seriously. 
right? Like you think, oh, we have to, the, the unborn, we have to worry about the unborn. So let's, you know, try to make sure the planet's not on fire. No, they can't do that. They don't roll that way. They don't actually care about they don't they don't care about children. Ron DeSantis signed a law making it easier for any jerk off in the state to go ahead and get a gun without a background check and concealed carry. Go ahead. I mean, these people are not serious and they're not serious about caring for kids. Ron DeSantis is not serious about health care for the people of Florida. And I don't even know why we talk about him so much, because you guys know there is a very good chance he's going nowhere. And we're all just going to get to laugh at him. He is in many ways the. Uh, Rick Perry of Scott Walkers. <laughs> we are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Uh, let me go for another audio clip. This is uh, the National Security Spokesperson John Kirby updating reporters earlier on the destruction of a major dam we talked about earlier in Ukraine's Kherson region. Uh, as you might expect, we've been closely monitoring the impacts of that destruction which has triggered massive flooding in Ukraine and resulted in the evacuation of, at the very least, thousands of Ukrainians. We know there are casualties, including likely many deaths, though these are early reports and we cannot quantify them right now. We've seen the reports that Russia was responsible for the explosion at the dam, which I would remind Russian forces took over illegally last year and have been occupying since then. We're doing the best we can to assess those reports, and we are working with the Ukrainians to gather more information. But we cannot say conclusively what happened at this point. No, but we do. Uh, again, it would not make a lot of sense for Zelensky to slaughter thousands of his own people. I just, you know, call me crazy. Uh, let's go to Paul, who's calling from Kansas. Paul, welcome. You're on SiriusXM. Thanks for letting me on, and it's cool to hear your show. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate you calling. How are you? Oh, very good. Yeah, I want to talk about the military complex, and I just want to point out the first thing. I know why they're afraid, because I know what happened to poor Jimmy Carter when he tried talk to about stand it. up to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just completely messed up his time. You know, Tip O'Neill went against him. That's you right. Know, Teddy Kennedy went against him. Everybody Look what happened to Bill him. when Art Bill Clinton Jimmy. tried to allow gay people to serve in the military. Remember the first couple of years? Remember how they just crushed him? Yeah. Yeah. They say and they say that I, Afghanistan I, is the graveyard of empires, but trying to please the Pentagon is the graveyard of Democrats. Yeah. And another thing I want to point out, I'm hoping because I live in a district run by cowardly traitor Tracy Mann, so I can't hmm. talk to anybody, you know, when I'm contacting. I'm hoping some of the Democrats listen out there, the congressmen. One of the major problems in the military complex is the idea of... Uh, specifications they call it specs yeah so a company can ask you know for the government you know for the pentagon to say okay put these spe certain specifications that means the piece of equipment could be a complete piece of garbage as long as it meets those stupid specs and it could fall apart really that's it instead of warranty that's it but that's how it works that's the military-industrial complex. That is what Eisenhower warned us about. You know, we don't need tanks anymore, but the tanks are made in what? Like, parts are made in 10 different states? So if a politician says, hey, we don't need to keep making all these tanks, we don't do combat that way, well, that's going to cost jobs in 10 different states, and that politician's not going to be reelected. so let's keep on making more tanks that we don't need. And this is how it gets... The racket is perpetuated decade after decade. Yeah. And I just know that there's equipment, you know, when I was on the Carl Vincent, we had a thing called a calorimeter that GE made a fortune off of. 
and it was a piece of equipment where we mm-hmm. just have to go to full power just to test and it doesn't do anything really except say yep your gauges work kind of okay you know it didn't say anything about how off or anything that was and i have no idea how much that piece of equipment costs but they constantly keep on yeah. doing that and we need people to just constantly investigate and that's what i would really love if a lot of those Democrats is they constantly you know, investigate and audit the damn Pentagon, audit the Pentagon, audit the Pentagon. I mean, a smart Democrat would come out and say all this money is going to defense contractors, not to our troops. Audit the damn Pentagon for the waste. It's insane. We all know it's there. We all know it's been hysterical waste for 40 years. And we all just still play dumb about it. All right. And, and thank you for the time. Right that's what is bugging me. The idea of specifications. That's the thing I want to get rid of and get warranties. I hear you, man. Paul, thank you so much. I thank you very much for the call. Let me go. uh, Beachside Bill in uh, in Florida. Hello, Bill. Are you there? Good evening, John. Yeah, I'm here. Good evening. What a great show. Good evening, sir. I don't know why I'm having trouble with my my hookup here. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. How are you? What's going on? Doing well. I yeah, doing well. I want to talk about this uh, stand your ground. The new the new and you know about the woman there up in Ocala. To, who uh, shot through the door. And now I just, I was telling Thea earlier, I explained that um, the woman who shot through the door has just been arrested. She was just brought into custody. She has been. So, yeah. Wow. The, the white woman who okay, shot the black great. woman. I just saw, I just saw a blip of it. So it's just, it was just on a minute ago. But uh, my thing was, I was oh, going back great. to when I, I, I most with, recently heard, I heard uh, that the, the latest thing, H.A. Owens was the woman who was killed. Uh, but what I most recently heard was that the, the vigilante white woman was shouting racial slurs before she shot through the door. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, there, there was trouble before with the kids and all that. But this woman didn't need yeah. to die. And I, and I go back to Jeb Bush when this no. all began. It, it goes to Jeb Bush with me because I've always had a stick in my claw with him. Uh, he always he always bugged the shit out of me. Just as governor, he gave us he gave us George Bush and all that shit. But what what stand your ground is a bullshit law. It's unconstitutional, Preach. and and it should be yeah. repealed. It, it goes in the face. It goes it goes in the favor of the the uh, person who you know committing the crime, so to speak. What do you think? Always, always. I, I think it look at George Zimmerman. I mean, in that case, stand your yeah. ground meant you have the right to kill somebody who's kicking your ass in a fight you started. That's what stand your ground. Yeah. meant. Yeah. exactly. And, and again, and, 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 wait, wait, till, wait till a criminal has a good lawyer and, and tries to use that as well. Wait till someone shoots oh, a cop right. and makes that argument. It hasn't happened yet, but I, I, I can imagine it will. I hope, I it, hope does it does, too. It. Yeah. And just quickly, and, and no, no, no. I hope it doesn't. Does. I don't want anyone to get shot. No, 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 no. We, no, 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 no. We, we don't I, want I, that to happen. I, yeah, I agree. Okay. I know. Legal I department don't I agree. too. Yeah, Go I ahead. agree. All right. And just quickly, with the military-industrial complex, Dick Cheney profited $40 billion off it. Let, let's go, let's go you know, to immediate, hit, you know, recent history yeah. with, with all this, you know, it's the Bush-Cheney uh, uh, empire and all that. That's, that's yeah. recent history right shows us. Right in front of us. Right, right there, because you, you, and I agree, more so than Trump, uh, Bush was a, was a more evil president, I think, he, just in, in, in the casualties and the, and yeah. the, and the uh, human, human slaughter that was upon, brought upon That's us it, by man. a bullshit war, you know, a bullshit I war. I hate to say it, but yeah, if you, view, if you view Iraqi people, if you view Iraqi people as people, then yeah, Bush was a worse president, no doubt. Yes, exactly. That's it. Yeah. How's yeah. that? All right, man. 
I thank you right. so much. I really appreciate Talk the call. Soon, John. All right, we got to take a quick yep, break. Thanks. When we come back, more of your calls. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John saying We are at 866-997-4748. As you know, A.J. Owens was shot to death by a white woman in Ocala whose children said the woman had shouted racial slurs at them. Uh, apparently, there has been an arrest made. We're only beginning to now get these details, but at least two of this woman's children saw their mother shot to death through a door by the same Caucasian woman who allegedly called them N-words and threw a rollerblade at them for trying to get their iPad back. Florida is a stand-your-ground state, and apparently the woman has been claiming that she fired in self-defense against the unarmed woman in the same state where that was a good enough excuse to kill Trayvon Martin. For more, I am so pleased to welcome Dr. Tracy Pearson. She's a legal analyst and consultant. You've seen her on TV, radio, and podcasts, and everywhere from Forbes to Fast Company, the New York Post, Cheddar News, and News Nation. Dr. Tracy, it's so good to see you on another Tuesday. Welcome back. It is wonderful to be here. Tuesday is my favorite day for this reason, and I am... I have empathy for you folks in New York City. Uh, being in L.A., it's usually us that has the terrible air quality. So I feel I've, terrible. I've, I've lived through this in L.A. before. I mean, we once had to drive to Vegas for a comedy festival and the fires were so bad we had to stop and buy bandanas to put them over our faces inside the car as masks. Like, I know about adapting to wildfires. There were times when I lived in L.A. we couldn't leave the house and walk down the street. I've never had this in New York City before. I mean, it's Canadian smoke, so it's like it's like applewood bacon. I think it's cured. It's it's, it's nice. It's pleasant. But um, yeah, it's terrible out there. And you said you saw folks filling up Yankee Stadium. I don't know how they can handle an outdoor game tonight. I don't know how they can handle it. I don't know why they're handling it. They shouldn't be out there. You shouldn't be breathing this stuff. And at least the only thing I can say is that at least the Canadians do feel bad about it. I mean, they really do. And, you know, that's Canadians for you. But um, in L.A., you know, it'd just be everyone for themselves. Wow. Well, uh, doctor, as you heard, I began talking about the the case in Florida, and I was curious how you feel about the media coverage we've seen so far. I know that you've been paying very, very close attention to this one watching this one all day and i have to tell you i i have this love-hate relationship with mainstream media sure. um i i i love them for many reasons and and but i really hate the sensationalizing of of when these terrible tragedies happen i hate the spotty reporting i hate the basically it's it's bully pulpit pounding that goes on about these situations before all of the processes and information take hold of course um my my theme for this today was that process you know is terrible unless you need it and so people need to understand that that what happened in this situation was that the police could not make an immediate arrest because they do have to investigate. They do have to determine whether or not uh, uh, self-defense was viable because of that standard ground law. But we also had kids who had seen, uh, or at least they believed at the time, had seen uh, their mom be shot. And they went and they got these kids therapy or they, they, uh, they got therapists for them before they did a forensic interview of them. So the only information the police had were that was that of the shooter or the alleged shooter. 
So they wanted to make sure that they weren't further re-traumatizing the kids and had support in place before they questioned them. And that the fact that the media just ran with nothing's happening, nobody's doing anything, pissed yeah. me off and they should be ashamed of themselves. That's a take I haven't heard yet, but you're exactly right. I mean, uh, uh, the only info we've had so far has been from the shooter, correct? Who who yeah. obviously doesn't want to be prosecuted. And for whatever reason, they kept the white woman who pulled the trigger's name a secret for almost a week. Exactly. It, it is it is um, the only information that they had. And uh, it, it obviously, yes, vested interest in not being prosecuted. And, and unfortunately, I mean, I, I think that people need to learn to read tea leaves better. They really do a terrible job. And it's because of implicit bias. They, they just do a terrible job of it. But when, when you've got a, a sheriff's spokesperson or a police officer's spokesperson standing up there saying, we really wish that we had been called to the scene, um, you know, and, and they, they had been called to the scene many times in the past. They're not in the freaking shooter's corner at that point. Right. They really aren't. And so people weren't listening to what the police were saying. When That's they true. don't want to arrest someone, they don't say anything. They said but, stuff here. But by that same token, if the police had been to the shooter's house several times in the past, then, I mean, obviously the shooter knew that calling the police was always an option, especially because the person outside your door doesn't have a gun and you have one. You bet. And I think that they want the charges to stick. I think they want to be able to, to, to cross off all the boxes so it doesn't get tossed back at them by the district attorney, because I think people don't understand how criminal process works. A police officer can arrest you, can issue an arrest warrant, can can or can can arrest you if they see you do something. They can seek, um, uh, you know, permission to arrest you. Um, but they have to present the the district attorney with um with with this this file this charge and yeah. the district attorney decides whether they want to go forward with it or not and if all the boxes aren't checked the district attorney will dismiss the case so they want to make sure that it's going to stick now i understand the counter argument to this is if, if she were you know if, if the person were black they would have arrested right on site and yes. and i guess my argument about that is is pretty straightforward which is that if you want process to work for you then you got to believe in process for everybody, not just not just uh, the people who aren't getting it now, but for everyone. Does it feel like uh, stand your grounds not going to work this time? I mean, there is no credible explanation for it. You know, George Zimmerman, he started the fight and then got his ass kicked and killed the guy for beating him in the fight he started. And that was enough. In this case, there was a door in between these people. There was a layer of protection between this woman and the unarmed woman she murdered. I don't know how they're going to preach stand your ground this time yeah i stand your ground I, I and i've i've researched this in the past a little bit slightly different than when uh you have to use every effort to get away um that that you know we we often think about sort of self-defense being you know you have to retreat you have to use every method to get away if it's your last opportunity to protect yourself then you can shoot someone that's not what this is you can you can shoot someone um, you can you can yeah. fire a gun and kill somebody if they're on your property and you and 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 you're defending yourself. Um, you don't have to try to get away. And so under under these circumstances, you're going to have to argue that this woman had a gun, that there was a gun on her. There well, because, wasn't. Well, well, could no she evidence. argue that because the woman was at my front door on my physical property, even if not in my house, my door was locked. But could there be a, a, a case where she could credibly claim that she feared for her life, even though? the door was never breached 
I don't think that that's a credible argument. That's me saying it. I think that's a ridiculous concept. It's, it, you know, we've had some cases about, uh, um, you know, in Florida that I've, I've done commentary on where you had people literally in their face, in each other's face in a movie theater and, and popcorn tossed and, yeah. and the guy got off. This is different. This is in your house, somebody out on your front porch. There's no weapon that, that we're aware of other than the one that you was used to shoot this woman um, who was outside uh, the door, right. outside the property. And there had been, uh, my understanding, at least there's reporting that the alleged shooter had thrown something and hit one of the kids. One of the kids. And and so, you know, I, I am in no way blaming the person who who is, is now deceased. No, but, I know you're not. But... But let's let's say, talk about that. If you if you have a, a a racist cretin on your block, who you know is crazy or at least racist and crazy, and they throw shit at your kid, I understand the temptation to want to go pound on their door and get justice right now. But I I I don't like, know. What, this is America. What, There's too many crazies who are just looking for an excuse to shoot you. Exactly, and and that person's dangerous and crazy, and and assaulted your kid, and and now they've got an assault, at least an alleged assault on your kid that you can go argue to the police. This isn't just somebody hurling epithets at you. So I I just I gosh, you know what was what was the decision making that went on there? And and I'm, know, again, right? I'm not blaming her. I'm not blaming her, but my God, those poor kids. I want to get to some of our calls, uh, and then I want to talk to you a bit about what's going on with Merck and, and Ron DeSantis. Let's say hello to Brian in Oregon, because Brian has been on hold since, like, the Ford Hi, administration. Hi, Hi Brian. Thank you for being Hi. so patient. Um, Thank you. What's up? Um, I, uh, it was just a ghastly story in Florida that uh, you guys are talking about. Just yeah. another obscene murder. Uh, I, ho- I hope, I don't know how, uh, anything about that shooter, but Jesus, she needs to be put away. Um, or at least not ever have a gun again. Yeah, um, yeah, just, I'm fine with that. It's insane. Yeah. And um, but I, I, I was calling. You know, it's D Day or June sixth. Um, Seventy nine years. Yep. And what I was realizing is um, that I accidentally I was listening to MSNBC and I switched back on my Sirius XM to you, and I went to some other cha- channel and they were playing Reagan's speech over uh, one of the beaches. And okay. I was realizing yeah, it was such a contrast to Trump when he went there. Uh, <laughs> oh, you think? Remember that when he went there and he w- wouldn't leave some tent he was sitting in because it was raining? Trump and went back makes to the hotel? so many Republican presidents finally look presidential years later. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and then so my, my little brain went to the, that and then Trump standing over uh, in the... Uh, Arlington Cemetery with uh, Kelly. Uh, That's right. And saying what suckers these are. Why? Are they, what did they get out of it? Why did they do this? Volunteer or whatever. But then uh, the Normandy stuff came back to my that it's perfect because Trump likes Hitler. Yeah, actually he does. You're right. And he is probably upset that for God's sakes we're celebrating the the downfall of my guy. <laughs> I mean, and, yet, Ivana's... and yet his daughter and his son-in-law are, are both jewish exactly yeah, yeah. but ivana exactly. said he kept hitler's speeches he, by his bedside and has been netanyahu 
That's right. But again, you, you know, again, you're, you're acting like Donald Trump believes in anything. He doesn't. Well, we can't really call Donald Trump a fascist because he doesn't really believe in it. Donald Trump believes in what feels good right now. He is like a toddler. He is. He has no ideology. So he go, he'll go for a strong man. And that means he can identify with Patton and he can identify with Hitler. It doesn't matter if you're big and tough and, and, and hurt people. You're Donald Trump's tribe. Yeah, ideology well, has nothing to do with it. Think- I think he thinks that uh, he's uh, that quality a human. And yeah. I don't think he, he doesn't come close to even these fascist dictators, really. Exactly. No, he doesn't. Of course not. I mean, am I being too kind to Donald Trump by, by not comparing him to fascist dictators? He can do a lot of damage. He can certainly act like a fascist. I just don't believe he has any core convictions whatsoever. He just knows how to say shit to get people to do things he wants. Yeah, he yeah. he's a wuss. He's a yeah. wuss, and he's not ne- nearly as educated as those people. No. Oh, God, he's a fool. And he, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, but the, with his document stuff, I'm starting to wonder if he played us for kind of fools that he actually knew and could read these top secret documents and which ones to take. Mm, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that, because, Lordy, or, there are Maybe tapes. he had a Reader's Digest... Uh, Interpretation of the documents. Read. But you know what? Like, like for him to come out and we, we get this tape where we're hearing him holding up this paper, right? You, you watch, you well, listen to this tape. You hear him holding up a paper and moving it around as he talks about these files. And that's about invading. Uh, it's about a possible attack or an invasion on Iran. And he has it at Bedminster where he invites the Saudis to come. It's just this thing stinks like Chris Christie's hamper. But l- let me ask you this, Tracy, because first we hear that now uh, they've lost some of the records that they lied and said they had given back or hadn't taken because someone was draining a pool at Mar-a-Lago. And apparently Mar-a-Lago is such a poorly built piece of shit shack hole that draining a pool causes underground storage rooms to flood and destroy Internet servers. Now, maybe Donald Trump thinks that Jack Smith is as gullible as a woman who marries Donald Trump. But all I can say is all these Republicans who keep announcing they're running for president, they seem to know this guy's going down. Yeah, you missed my reenactment today. I was doing this in my living room. I, I was, I, you know, oh, gee, boss, you want me to, you want me to flood the, the, the server room? Okay. And the guy's running the hose from the filter down, like my dad used to do when he used to clean out the, the filter in the, for the pool. He's running the hose down and he's bringing it down the steps and he's bringing it into the server room and letting it loose. I mean, I can just totally see this crap happening. Yeah, and, and yet he didn't hit the right equipment. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is that what happened? It didn't hit the right equipment. Who knows? It's all bullshit. It's all it's all my my dog ate my homework and I don't have a dog. That's the entire thing. (laughs) Exactly. Well, how many times has this happened before these weirdos flooding flooding that room? There was no flood of the room. It's all it's all just trying to put band-aids on a hemorrhage. That's all it is. It's not going to work. I've got images of people running around in hallways like, oh, they're coming around. They're coming around the corner like Breakfast Club with the boxes. Oh, my God. Uh This way. Oh, God. No, they're going to run that way. You know, (laughs) but this is what we're looking at right now, though, because as you pointed out, Tracy, we have we have grand juries sitting in two different jurisdictions. Crimes are brought where committed. So we're all on the full-time indictment watch right now. And I'm talking to more and more people who seem to be very, very convinced without knowing anything yet that somehow Donald Trump's going to be offered some grand bargain where he will agree to not run for office and will agree to not make any more public statements about politics or policy and stop fundraising. And in exchange for that, they won't 
prosecute him. I, I mean, I've heard this floated so many times today from people who don't know anything. I, I swear to God, even the people I like are making me crazy with their conjecture now. Yeah, no, I was going nuts. I was going nuts today and yesterday and listening to people talk um, who who I consider to be smart people, but they need to shut up. The fact is, is I'm going to quote I'm going to quote my husband here who is quoting his late father, which is that contracts are only as good as those you make it with. And we all know this guy can't keep an agreement. So Jack Smith is not negotiating any sort of deal where Trump makes a promise with his his fingers crossed behind his back. Trump's not going to plead guilty to any of these crimes. I mean, even though that would be in his best interest. I mean, you know, they don't the feds don't screw around when it, I'll tell you when indicted, the more, you are more likely than not to be convicted because they've got you dead to rights. And when it comes to something like this, 100 percent, uh, they've got the receipts. And that's uh, kind of what uh, Danny Spala said on Dean's show. That, oh, really? Uh, well, and there's always jail time with federal convictions, too. Yeah. Danny and yeah, I are usually in agreement. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, he's great too. Uh, but you're you're a lot better. You got a better voice. Doesn't she though? <laughs> Doesn't she? Thank you. Don't let Danny hear that. Don't let Danny hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I like hear it from him. Too. He's pretty funny too. Tom, as right well. on. I almost said Tom. He dresses better as well. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's good to hear from you. I really do appreciate it. We're at 866-997-GRIT. Tracy, we were just talking with Cornell West. I mean, with, with John Nichols of the Nation about Cornell West. I love Dr. West. I read Race Matters back in the 90s. He's a, a true hero. I wish he had run years ago. Uh, I don't know why he's doing it now. I don't know why he's not going as a green. But um, Cornell West has, has been praising Ron DeSantis a bit. And that's one of the things that has surprised me. I try to not apply purity tests to all these people, but tell me your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think you might have seen my tweet about what the effery on that one. Uh, I That's my new thing, what the effery. Uh, I, I don't understand how he, uh, being an a, a exemplary scholar when it comes to, to race, uh, could ever um, praise Ron DeSantis um, and certainly not praise him for for pushing classics education when the bill that that he is citing to is the bill that also eliminated uh, DEI funding. DEI funding. And That's it. I mean, and 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 the related bills that that erase Black history in that state. I just don't get it, and and I, don't get it. I found it offensive. Me too. I really and, I, and I love Cornell West. I don't know what it's about. Maybe he feels like every other liberal at some point that I've got to bend over backwards to be nice to these people to assert my independent bona fides. But, um, you know, I, I honestly I haven't been this disappointed with Cornell West since he was in The Matrix 3. That, and that's saying quite a bit because that was devastating for me. At the, uh, meanwhile, uh, we have our, our friend Gavin Newsom, who is seemingly really, really pissed off at uh, at Ron DeSantis and is actually putting his money where his mouth is and might consider killing kidnapping charges for Ron's latest little piece of performative theater, sending migrants to Sacramento. I I, kind of feel like if these people were loaded onto an airplane by lies, then you've got a credible case for kidnapping. Absolutely. Uh, You you absolutely do. And DeSantis's people um, were really stupid tonight in that the um, the director of emergency management admitted 
uh, that um, they did transport migrants from uh, Texas to Sacramento, claiming that they had verbal and written consent. Um, the right. folks in Florida who might be listening right now, uh, for that Martha's Vineyard trip that that they they handled, um, they lost 1.6 million of their tax dollars in that little that little event when they chartered the the plane to Martha's Vineyard. For, who's um, they? The who, who lost, who, I'm sorry, who lost that money in terms of because my understanding was that was the using Santa's. COVID funds. That was using COVID funds to lie those people <laughs> from Texas to Massachusetts, right? Well, that's yeah, you put num- names on dollar bills. It came out mm. of out of out of the bank account. Um, uh. And and so, you know, Governor Newsom and I, I have some things that I am frustrated with him about when it comes sure, to disability always. access. Um, yeah. But uh, and that's a story for another day that we ought to talk about. But I think <laughs> that um, he sits quietly in in a lot of ways, and he just he just stuff falls in his lap like this, and it allows him to to step up and be this 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 incredible um, advocate for for people. And um, yeah, these folks in Florida stepped up and admitted that they did it, that they contracted with a private contractor, and claim that there was verbal and written consent. And I got to tell you, when you've got folks who are from Nicaragua, Colombia, Mexico, and the remainder are from Venezuela, who who probably do not read English fluently, certainly exactly. don't speak English fluently, and um, couldn't possibly have have understood any document that said wavering consent on it. Um, you're you're looking at some criminal charges, I think. I mean, the, fo- I think the folks on the the folks on the Martha's Vineyard flight, and again, they were all legal migrants. None of them were undocumented. None of them were illegal. We, we I, my God, the the amount of lies we hear on the right wing media about this. But they were promised green cards. Some of them were promised jobs. It was all just false pretense. And now I understand the Texas sheriff has recommended charges against yes. DeSantis for this. The Absolutely. Texas sheriff. For unlawful detainment, um, which is or unlawful restraint, which is uh, basically kidnapping. Um, and so I think that that it's absolutely um, that he's doing a hat trick and he's competing with um, Do- Donald Trump in, in oh, many yeah. ways. They're I racing so each too. other to the bottom of, of the, the criminal circuit. But this is America and they're both legally allowed to run for president from prison. And that's what makes me proud. Don't you think? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, it's scary that we've gotten to this. And I just, you know, I always joke about this saying that there's that the founding fathers are are rolling in their graves, if they're still there. I I just, we, we, we put too much stock in in people doing the right thing and and being good human beings. Disagreeing but, but, with each other, but being good human beings. But but in fairness, let's talk about the third bad thing of Ron DeSantis's day, because this federal judge just blocked his super mean, shitty, regressive, unnecessary, improves the life of no one's uh, ban on gender-affirming care for teens in Florida. This this is the part that doesn't focus on the adults having their transitions. This is teenagers for it. What happened with this federal judge today? Absolutely. Uh, it was expected by me. I, I told you, I think that, that that statute was dead on arrival when it got to yeah, a courthouse. You did. Um, back when um, there's a case called... Um, Bostock that uh, was decided by the Supreme Court, and it was a it was a Title VII uh, employment case. But what it did was uh, Gorsuch wrote the decision for the court and and said that sex, the definition of sex, protected gender, and so that's why I said back then when when this stupid thing was signed that this is going to be done on arrival. So this right. federal judge 
um, blocked that gender affirming uh, care ban for teens, um, focusing just on those plaintiffs. There weren't any adult plaintiffs that I was aware of that were part of that case, and that's why it doesn't address the adult issue. But what, what the court said is that there was no rational basis between the allegation that, that the state was trying to protect kids Right. Um, and and what what the the banning of that care would do that it would be frankly cause more harm than than banning it would would do, um, or <laughs> yeah, uh, you know it would. so so that not banning it would do and so um, the 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 basis for that is that there's a fundamental right to parent in the federal constitution that's been that's been read into the constitution based on some uh, various provisions okay. and um so you have a fundamental right to parent and um the state can have uh, exert what they call police powers um to protect kids but there has it has to meet a, a higher scrutiny standard and when the judge threw out rational basis that wasn't a that wasn't a sort of shade that was a legal standard and what it said right. is that it doesn't meet the lowest possible standard here and so Pound sand. Um, and when the, the injunction was issued, it was because he believed that they would probably prevail on their merits right. in that lawsuit. So I, I, that's a good decision. That is a this great is the same, decision. But this is the same governor who was saying, oh, no masks, no masks. Parents should decide. Doctors and parents should decide. And this is the same guy now saying, no, no, parents and doctors don't get to decide. I'm a government. I get to decide about trans care. I mean, it's only, just... Only when it serves their narrative. That's the whole thing. Hey, I got some good news for you. Let's welcome our good friend, Trucker Steve. Hey, Steve, welcome. You're on with Dr. Tracy Pearson. What's up tonight? How are you? Hey, Steve. Hey. How you doing? Uh, How you doing? You know, this prosecution of Trump is going to lead to a tick for tack war. You realize what does that mean? What does that mean? The Republicans are coming for are literally coming for you too because coming for every, me or coming for Hunter, any, Hunter, Hunter Biden? Well, coming for any Democratic president. And I guarantee everybody's in that level has broken the law. You've broken the law. Okay. Intentionally or unintentionally, sure. Everybody. And let him, let him, let good. Let him go Jimmy for it. Carter, let him go for it. Let him go Jimmy for Carter, it. Jimmy Carter, probably the most honest president we ever had, right? Broken yeah. the law somewhere. I almost I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. Guaranteed. You might be. I think. I think you may be able to say that Jimmy Carter lied at one point, but I don't think you could say he broke the law. But again, um, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with investigating any crime by any president. I think every president's kids' business deals should be investigated. Hunter Biden investigate every penny he ever spent, but go after Jared and Ivanka really and Don Jr. Political. and Eric as well. This is purely. This is purely nonpartisan. You really want the president has got to. I don't want to see crooks decisions. get away with it like Trump has. And if the price of that means that politicians I like are held to account for their crimes, I'm fine with that, too. I'm not in a cult. I'm not obedient to a party. I want them all investigated if they've broken the law. I don't give a shit. I don't get violent about that. And Steve, you know this. Trump's a fucking criminal. Trump really did break the law many, many, many times. There will not be a lawbreaker like him in the near future. If we'd gone after Bush for his crimes half as hard as we're going after Trump, I might feel a bit better. Okay, it's one thing for the DOJ to go after him, the Smith case. That's one thing, right? Yeah. If any local prosecutor could go after the president of the United States, that's a recipe for disaster. Why? Let's say let's just say hypothetically that Donald Trump is on tape in the state of Georgia committing election fraud by trying to force the secretary of state to lie about the election. Let's just say hypothetically there's a tape of Donald. Wouldn't that mean we had a king? 
If you didn't yes, exactly. I mean, like we have Donald Trump on tape, Steve, strong arming the Republican secretary of state of Georgia into lying and essentially Trump committing aside, fraud about the election. Trump, Trump aside, this is going to reduce the future presidents from being able to do their jobs. Because no, it's going to make more. It's going to, no, 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 Steve. It's going to make future presidents more scared to break the law in the course of doing their job, because we will have for the first time ever a precedent of accountability. I, I want to turn it over to Tracy because she's smarter than I am. I, I could be wrong about all of this. Doctor? No, absolutely. I, I, I think that, that our founding fathers decided that we didn't want a king. We didn't want somebody to be uh, to be immune from from prosecution and uh, that the law was supposed to apply to everyone. There is there is we aren't anyone's subjects. And you don't get to there run. Is, uh, but there is the comp, there is the concept of some sovereign Maybe not immunity here, some sovereign protection. Right? No, there is not. Absolutely not. He's he is a, a citizen just like every other citizen and he is subject to the laws of the country. That's why he swears an oath. That's why he, mm-hmm. he upholds an oath to to follow the laws and to protect the constitution against all enemies. That's right. But the but I'll go back to my whole thing. Everybody's broken the law. If you are if you are, are annually probed, you've broken the law somewhere. Wait a second. If I'm anally probed, I've broken the law somewhere. Maybe I I know that costs extra sometimes, but but that's not necessarily, you know, a breaking the law in some states. I mean, I'm sure in parts of Nevada, it's fine. What? If I was given if, if an investigator, if I was given resources to investigate anybody, right, I would find something wrong. I it can, sounds I like it sounds like you're everybody. you're making you're making the Republican argument for letting Trump get away with it, because if you hold him responsible for his crimes, then they're just going to turn around and go after future presidents for their crimes, too. It, it really sounds like, Steve, you're a good guy who's been groomed into letting Trump get away with things. No, there's going to be. I'm telling you, you're, you're underplaying it. There's if gonna Democrats be are criminal, if Democratic presidents are criminals, I want them gone after. I don't care. I don't belong to a no, cult. Go they're ahead. Probably not. They're probably not uh, criminals in the way everybody's technically broken the law. No, Everybody. no. But, yes. OK. But when you're the president, when you're the chief executive, when you're the head administrator of the law, there's just a little bit more pressure. Don't you think? I mean, it's one thing if crackhead Bob down the block breaks the law. And it's another thing if the president of the United States who swore on an oath on my TV to uphold the laws does it. So it's not quite the same. And again, we've had presidents who've broken the law terribly. George W. Bush and Dick Cheney and Condoleezza Rice should spend the rest of their lives in cells. OK, but in the case of Donald Trump, I'm sorry. I don't want future corrupt people who have a lot of money and run. And we know we're running. We're, we're headed to the day when just billionaires run for president. We just pick our favorite billionaire. But I don't want the future ones to know they can get away with shit because Donald Trump was so slimy and got away with it. Tracy, go and ahead. I'm thinking I'm thinking your opinion's going to be different. I would think if you had a family member whose name was sitting in one of those top secret files that was sitting on his desk in Mar-a-Lago that anybody could access that he was showing people and and their name might get out there and they may end up being dead well, as a I'm result not, i'm not arguing trump's innocence right i'm not saying he's he's done far more than any other president this is not a nixon argument yeah, no I'll, I'll say i'll say bush well, is worse well, still i'll say i'll still say bush is worse but go on but right i'm just saying the consequences of prosecuting him especially by a state prosecutor mm. right which yeah, I'm, I'm, you will have a Republican prosecutor. You will have a Republican prosecutor in Oklahoma go after the president. They'll roll Let the them dice do it. And, Let them do it. And get an indictment. We've right? already they seen that. Ken Starr did it. Oklahoma. 
We watched Ken Starr what? do this for two years, Steve. We watched Ken Starr do this to Bill Clinton. We know what they're going to do. But here's the thing, Steve. They're going to go after Democrats, whether people go after Trump or not. OK, they're going to go after Democrats any way they can. Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, we're still doing this. They're going to attack Democrats any way they can, whether we hold Trump responsible for his crimes or not. So why not hold him responsible for his crimes? Crazy thought. I got to go, Steve. I love you. Thank you for the call. That's trucker Steve. He and I were actually married for a couple of years. It's a, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> uh, we don't talk about it too much. Dr. Tracy Pearson, seven years after losing the Donald Trump in 2016, Chris Christie. Wants a rematch. Uh, the former New Jersey governor and more important, a guest of this show in our studio uh, who endorsed Trump uh, officially filed paperwork to run for president today. Uh, now he's, of course, saying he's the candidate most willing to openly attack Trump. And everyone's talking about his evolution. I don't see it. I saw him endorsing Trump blindly, purely out of self-interest. And now he's attacking Trump purely out of self-interest. I don't really see the evolution here. Your thoughts on the governor? I just I don't understand. I, 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 he could just go off somewhere, write a book, write a tell all, do whatever he you did. want. No one bought but, it. Right. But seriously, like advertise it, work on it, do something, sell it in cereal. I don't care. I just think that his his whole running is it's fun to watch. I mean, he was in my native New Hampshire today. Um, fun to watch. Um, but maybe he's got some real good dirt on Trump that he'll, he'll let fly and that'll make this interesting for us. But otherwise, you know, you want to like the guy because he says some things here and there, you know, not when he was doing the Trump stuff, but he says some things here and there that like appeal to you, but that's not going to be enough to win. Yeah. By the way, how great is it when your presidential field's most likable member is Chris Christie? Tracy, in our final seconds, how do our listeners follow you and keep up with your work? You can find me on all the social media at Tracy Explains, and I have a Substack at Dr. Tracy Explains. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea Harper. Thank you, John Nichols. And thank you guys most of all for listening. We will be back tomorrow. Keep it tuned to progress. Peace. Peace.